0: I want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord, and I want you to stay tuned for a major update as I talk about something that is very interesting, especially as it relates to what we see taking place in the world today. And that is how wars have been used throughout history that eventually forge what we call prophetic alignments. Now, there's four types of alignments. There's political, there's spiritual, there's economic, and there's also national. Political alignments are what we're beginning to see now with China aligning with Russia. We see spiritual alignments. For example, we know that if we look at the Ukraine and we look at the at Russia, that there was a break-off from the Russian Orthodox Church with the Ukrainian Church, and Putin has wanted to try to bring... Ukraine back under the Russian Orthodox Church. That's been in the news. It's not some new revelation. So that's what you call spiritual alignments. Religious alignments would be a better word. Then there are economic alignments. When the common market was formed originally there were ten nations. It became the European Union, and now there are many nations that are part of the European Union. You have OPEC, which is the oil-producing nations. Numerous nations in the Middle East, the Gulf of Venezuela, etc., that produce oil, that form a coalition. So those are basically what we would call economic alignments. There's also national alignments. Now, the President Biden made a statement a while back about we are entering another new world order. There's a new world order. That word or phrase, New World Order, was also used by um, Herbert Walker Bush in the 90s, and he received a lot of criticism for that statement. Then we wonder what they talk about when they talk about a New World Order. There was something called the North American Republic that was supposed to have been formed Several years ago, there was a strategy to form it. I actually had in my possession a prototype of some of the money that was discussed. To my knowledge, it's never been printed, but it was a prototype. The money was money for Canada, America, and Mexico. And it would put everybody on the same level as far as the currency was concerned. And, of course, this money was was printed in, uh, had French and English and Spanish uh, words on it. There was a blue flag with three stars representing the three nations. And so I, I really think that was an idea that someone came up with, but it apparently has been dropped. And now the new discussions, and we'll see where this goes, is a Fed coin to where, and honestly, a lot of this is just about being able to track everything that you do electronically. And when people use cash, sometimes that may not be possible to do in all instances, unless they go through a bank, of course. So there's a lot of changes taking place. Now, the the, the prophetically speaking, the biggest changes that have ever occurred in world history from the very beginning have been when... Nations would rise against nation in the time of war, and a kingdom would rise against another kingdom in a time of war. Wars transition empires. They transition nations. They transition transition ethnic groups. And so war is one of the main factors that is involved in what I call national and international prophetic alignments. Now there's, there's two types of wars alluded to in scripture. For example, in Daniel 10, the greatest chapter there is in the Bible, and one of these days I'm going to probably do it in a book where I'm gonna talk about the wars of demons and angels. And I'm going to really dig out some of the amazing revelation that is in Daniel 10. I won't do that today. It would take an hour or two just to, just to dig out Daniel 10. But that's the war between the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia and Gabriel in the area of ancient Babylon. Then in Revelation 12, we read where there's a war in heaven against Michael and his angels and the dragon and his angels. Satan has a set group of angels that have aligned themselves with his kingdom. And Matthew 12 teaches Satan does have a kingdom. Then God has a set group of angels that have aligned themselves with his kingdom under the military leadership of Michael, the archangel, who is a a warring prince or a fighting prince. In the Bible, we would call these celestial or terrestrial earthly or heavenly warfare battles that take place in the future. Now, when the Antichrist comes to power, there will be a very strong spirit, prince, demonic spirit, actually Satan himself. It says that the, the dragon who is Satan Gives his throne and his authority over to the beast. So the beast is the imagery of the Antichrist kingdom. So Satan will be directly involved in the rise and the authority of the Antichrist when that time comes. And God will permit that to happen for a period of 42 months. And then, of course, the Messiah, Christ, returns. And that is recorded in Zechariah chapter 14 and the book of Revelation chapter 19. But there will be, as we progress toward the time of the end, an increase in wars and rumors of wars based on the prediction of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, six, seven, and eight. Actually, specifically, verses six and seven. Recently, there has been a major conflict, as we all know, involving Russia and the nation of Ukraine. There's many speculations about this war And at least at the time of my taping, it's still continuing. And, of course, we hope for an end of the conflict. And perhaps by the time you see this, it will have ended. And and perhaps it won't. I don't know at this point. But there's no question about it that wars change prophetic alignments. For example, in Revelation chapter 12, the dragon who is Satan is said to have seven heads. Now, these seven heads, according to scholars and researchers of the Bible, those who know history, are the seven major empires of Bible prophecy, both past and future. If we count starting at the book of Genesis and we see the major empires that affected the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, and the Jewish people throughout history, we know it begins with Egypt, then it comes to Assyria, after that came Babylon, following Babylon were the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians were followed by the Grecian Empire directed by Alexander the Great and his generals after Alexander the Great passed. And then we also know that there was the Roman Empire. Of course, the Roman Empire divided between the east and the west. And at the end of days, there will be a major empire that will form Uh, between east and west, and there will be ten kings at the very end of days that will eventually unite with the Antichrist, forming what the Bible calls the eighth and final kingdom of Bible prophecy. In each of the instances going all the way back to Egypt, it was a battle or a conflict or a war of some type that initiated the transition. The children of Israel came out of Egypt, and there was a crossing at the Red Sea, and at the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his charioteers were drowned. So God transitioned Israel out of Egypt through a conflict. When we come to the time of the, uh, let's say, the Assyrian Empire, we know that the Assyrian Empire eventually ruled much of what we call the Fertile Crescent, parts of the Middle East, uh, in, as far as Israel and Lebanon and Iraq and Iran today. That, that I'm sorry, uh, Iraq Syria, Lebanon, and, and what was called Israel or Palestine back in the early days, and so that territory was under Assyrian control for quite some time. And the Assyrians took the ten northern tribes into captivity, and they the lost they became the lost tribes of Israel, and they were scattered into different Gentile nations. Judah and Benjamin were the two tribes in the south that remained faithful and steadfast till the Babylonian captivity. Now, when the Assyrians were about to be defeated, they were overtaken by the Babylonians. The Babylonian Empire, of course, invaded Judea, Jerusalem, and burnt the temple down, taking Jewish captives and the Holy Temple treasures back to Babylon for a period of 70 years. When the 70 years were fulfilled, eventually what happened at the end of the 70 was the Medes and the Persians, two kings that had many provinces under them, overtook. The Babylonians in Babylon, so the Median Persian Empire ruled for about 200 years. Then the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great rose to power, and Alexander the Great took 30,000 trained expert soldiers, and overpowered Darius the Mede and overthrew one million estimated Persian soldiers. And this again was a war that changed empires. And eventually the Roman Empire came along according to Scripture, and the Roman Empire. Uh, overpowered the Grecian empire and actually the Greeks and the Romans sort of merged together. But the Roman empire for hundreds of years became the leading empire in the West until it was split in the fifth century and the Byzantine empire was formed. I know that's a lot of history, but I'm going somewhere in every one of these cases, the empire that overtook the previous empire. The Babylonians overtook the Assyrians, the Medes and Persians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Medes and Persians. Something happened that is historically recorded that's very strange. The empire in charge, the empire in charge, had loaned money to the empire that took it over. So when the empire that took the empire over that they owed money to got control, guess what happened? They took the wealth of the empire they overthrew, and they canceled their own debts. And this is throughout history. This is a fascinating study that I don't have time to get into. Now, I wanna to go to the past 100 years, and I, I wanna see if you find a common link, and we're gonna bring it up to the war today. 1917, after the end of World War One, Lord Belfar asked a Jewish man that had helped invent a substitute for gunpowder that helped the British win the war. What can I do for you? And he said, I want a declaration made from you from England who now had taken over Palestine. I want a declaration from you that my my, my Jewish family, not my personal family, but the Jews in general, can go back to Palestine and form a, form a freedom to give them a place to live. And Lord Belfar did that in 1917 after the end of World War I. When World War Two ended after a seven-year holocaust, where six million Jews were slain and murdered. Something happened in relation to the Jewish people once again. In 1948, May 14th, the British mandate ended and the United Nations had voted to partition Palestine, giving the Jews a homeland, which would be renamed the biblical name Israel, a fabulous, amazing fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 66 and many other prophecies that indicate that Israel must be in the hand of of the Jewish people, at the last days, at the time of the end, even at the time that the Antichrist come to power, Israel must be in the hands and in control of Jewish people. In other words, it must be a nation again. That happened in 48. Another war broke out. This time it's called a six-day war in 1967. At the conclusion of the 1967 war, Jerusalem was reunited as the capital of Israel. It was divided between the country of Jordan in the east and Israel in the west. But that wall called no man's land. Actually, there was a place called no man's land with concrete wall and barbed wire was torn down. And now Jerusalem is one city east and west together. And tourists can tour it. Arabs are allowed to go back and forth. The Jews and Christians are allowed to go back and forth from either side. And so that is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy that when the Lord shall build up Zion, then he shall appear in his glory. There were other prophetic things that began to happen. In 1987, we discover that there was a complete collapse of communism and the Eastern Bloc nations, the Eastern Bloc nations that were communist nations such as Bulgaria, Romania, Estonia, etc., suddenly were able to experience freedom. But here's the big thing that happened with the collapse of communism. The Jewish people were now permitted after 70 years of living under communism in Russia and Eastern Bloc they were permitted to return to the nation of Israel and an immigration occurred called Aliyah, the Jews returning back to their homeland and over a million Jews from the North Country, way over a million now, have returned back to the nation of Israel. Now there's a common thread here and I don't want you to miss it. After 9-11, a major war, And we went to Afghanistan. I don't have time to go into this. There was a discovery that many of the lost tribes of Israel were actually many of the Afghan people that had settled there hundreds and hundreds, hundreds and thousands of years ago, and that they had customs that were very parallel to the Jewish people. Now, if we continue to look at this, we also see that because of Russia invading the Ukraine, and you see this on television, there is a brand new movement to bring the Jews back from the Ukraine and out of the Ukraine to the nation of Israel. It's being done right now, and it's being expanded in many, many areas as where they can reach the people. The, the book of Isaiah said that they would send hunters and fishers to hunt them out of the mountains and the caves and bring them back to the land. That's a prophecy about the Jews that would one day return from the north. Now, I want you to track with me as I begin to share this with you. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 that there is coming in the future a war that's going to take place in which a coalition of nations will join together and they will attack the mountains of Israel. Now it's not just the mountains they're after, they're after the entire country. The two of the er- the two areas which are specifically alluded to in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 prophecy are the bas- the Bashan which is the Golan Heights area, the Bashan, some call it, which is the Golan Heights area of northern Israel, the border of Lebanon and Syria, and Israel in the north. And the the Golan Heights actually begins at the Sea of Galilee area and goes all the way into the north, up to the border of Lebanon and Syria. This area that Israel now controls, which is a huge farming land, huge farms are in that area. This will be where a war, a part of the war will take place. The second half of the troop movement, according to the prophet Ezekiel, will be in the area of the Valley of the Passengers on the east of the sea, which is the country of Jordan. This area across the east of the Jordan River is also major, huge farming territory. I've always said, and I won't elaborate on this because I have other messages in the future I'll be dealing with this, including a major update at our International Prophetic Summit in June. And let me just stop and say, I hope you can come with Rabbi Kurt Landry, Jonathan Kahn, myself, Bill Cloud, and Mark Biltz. The the hotels are actually filling up in town and the registration is just completely, just about full. But if you can make it to that, this is very significant. I have some messages I'm going to be dealing with there on this. But the hook in the jaw is likely food that's going to bring these armies in. Libya will be involved. Ethiopia, which in Ezekiel's day, would include the Sudan, which is a nation of radical Islam. You also will have Persia. The Persians or the Iranians will be involved. And then you have Tagarmah, which many believe is the area of Turkey. There's part nations in southern Russia that will be involved that are Islamic nations. But it says in the prophecy that A set your face, son of man, against God, toward Gog, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Now, many people believe they call this the war of Gog and Magog. It's the war of Gog of Magog. Gog is of Magog and the chief prince of Rosh. Now, we have always assumed, and most of the prophecy preachers have assumed, that Gog is the identification of the man who is like the king or the leader that will lead these armies and will be a guard to these armies and supply these armies as they come against the nation of Israel in a battle which is going to happen in the future. I believe that's true. There will be a man directing it. However, I want to show you something here that's very, very, very significant. In the book of Daniel, it talks about Michael, your prince. Now, Michael is actually an archangel. However, Michael is called an archangel in the book of Jude, verse 9. So we know he's an angel, Revelation 12. We know he has an army of angels with him, Revelation 12. But he's also called archangel by Jude. However, in Daniel, twice, Michael is called Michael, your prince. He is the prince guardian angel also of the entire nation of Israel. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about Gog, who is prince of Rosh. Now, we today don't use the word prince. They do in some of the Gulf nations, but predominantly, we don't talk about kings and a prince or a queen. Maybe England does in some of the Gulf states, but we talk about a president. We talk about a prime minister or leader. Using the same Hebrew word for prince and looking at this passage in the book of Ezekiel, God also reappears at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse eight, as Satan initiates a war against the saints in Jerusalem at the end, not the end of the tribulation, at the end of the 1000 year reign of Christ. When researching this, and again, I'm abbreviating this, it makes me believe that, yes, there is a man who directs this war. But Gog is the principality, chief demon spirit directly under Satan, who is the prince of the North countries. In Daniel chapter 10, it talks about the prince of Grisha and the prince of Persia, and it's not talking about human men. It's talking about the demonic principality that ruled over the politics and the military of Persia and Greece. And again, this is a very deep study. So the word prince can be used in the Old Testament referring to an earthly prince, yes, but it is also used to refer to a spirit, a very high-ranking, very powerful spirit that's in Satan's kingdom. The prince of Persia was so powerful that he prevented Gabriel, the angel of God, from bringing a message to Daniel for 21 days. It was a spirit. Gog is more than a name. There is a name called Gog a surname which is found in Russia and parts of the uh, Balkan states. It's a man, yes, but it's more than that. It's a spirit. There is a dark prince spirit ruling north of Israel. And this dark prince spirit will one day lead a battle against Israel where they will encounter God himself to defend the nation of Israel. I personally believe and Michael the archangel who will defend the nation. But my point is that what you see happening in the north today with the war taking place, and perhaps, we don't know, an expansion of that with great danger is being caused by a spirit called Gog, who is the chief principality of the north country. So in the last days, you have to understand angels and demons, angels and prince spirits more specifically, are going to be involved in struggles, conflicts, and battles going to take place at the time of the end. The Lord impressed me to write a book on visions that my father and I have had for several years because I do believe that many of these are going to come to pass in the days ahead. I put them in a book. I also put a chapter on 10 things you have to do at the time of the end to make it be successful and survive at the time of the end. And also some things that's going to happen in 2024 possibly. Please get my book today. We had to go to a second printing and this is the second printing. I want you to get it and I want you to read all of it and also get the audio CD, it's available right now. I'll be back in a moment. My new book titled The Visions contains specific details of visions and revelations involving future, both national and international events from visions and encounters that I have recorded in my private journal. I've waited for the right prophetic season to disclose these warnings and events. God's Word states that if spiritual watchmen do not warn the people of the danger they see coming, the watchman will be held accountable for what happens to the people. After experiencing much inner conviction in my soul, I sensed it was the right time to pin what I and others have seen. Much of this book covers warning visions explaining what is coming and how to prepare. I've divided the visions into what was, what is, and what is to come. Here are some of the subjects I will cover in the book. Learn the four different types of spiritual visions. I explain ancient oracles exposing how leaders attempted to see the future. Visions of cities burning both present and future, including New York City. My father's vision of a planned East Coast nuclear attack. Also, my recent visions concerning cremation ovens. I experienced a vision of a frightening assault on a public school that I want to share with you. I have for many years experienced tsunami visions and I've decided to release that information and include the locations that I have seen in those visions. There is a vision of a nuclear power plant that initiates a stock market crash. There is a vision of empty cities and empty streets that I believe is linked to the recent pandemic and possibly another pandemic coming. The vision of the 10 mile radius bioweapons attack on London, England. And also I've seen in three different visions a strong earthquake impacting the Midwest, especially the St. Louis area. I also talk about the strange vision of three tornadoes that I believe cost Hillary Clinton her political future. I share a vision revealing future attacks on individual Christians and churches. I also talk about when political leaders and their administrations lose divine favor with God. I have a section where I talk about 2024 and beyond and I've included what I believe to be an interesting historical parallel about a possible Trump second term. The coming revival through the lens of a camera. One of my favorite chapters that's going to be very helpful to you is this, 10 Rules and Wisdom Principles for Surviving and Thriving at the End. The book also has important instructions for the reader to follow. When you order this new book, I'm also including my two audio CD teaching, The Battle of the Two Marks, which exposes the future mark of the beast and explains the mystery of the seal of God, both which are alluded to in the book of Revelation. Give the new book and the audio CD now for your donation of $35 or more. Ask for offer VS 141. You can order at perrystone.org or by calling toll-free 1-888-21-BREAD or mail your order to Perrystone P.O. Box 3595, Cleveland, Tennessee, 37320. I hope every prophetic student, intercessor, and those interested to know what is ahead will take time to order this new spiritual resource. I've written this in the fear of the Lord, but I believe it's now the time to release the messages. A remnant is now waking up and preparing. What about you? man what a teaching what a prophetic word i don't know if you've ever thought about this how wars are tied into prophecy and transition in prophecy Now you and I know this, perilous times are going to come in the last days. Many trials, tribulations are going to come, offenses will come, betrayals will come, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. But my friend, listen to me. Jesus said, when all these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your head, for your redemption is drawing near. Don't be sad, don't be mad, be glad because the Messiah is coming. When will it happen? I don't know. Now, there's going to be intensive demonic principality powers, angelic battles, and the enemy is going to try to take out the leaders and the officers. And if you've not seen my YouTube video on a stunning vision, my Facebook video, Stunning Vision, go watch it. If you've not seen the one on the, on the, the, the very stunning vision on YouTube, you watch it. It will blow your mind and you will see the prediction that the Holy Spirit gave and knew that was going to happen. in the very things taking place right now. The God amazes me. He warns you in advance of people and demons that are going to try to attack you. But God has the final say-so and the battle belongs to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? But let me just say this. Please, please get the new offer. It helps keep manifest on the air, but it also will inform you. And people have told me they've read this book over and over and over again to glean from it. So please go to peristone.org. Don't forget to subscribe to the Peristone YouTube channel. Don't forget we have an online store that if you can go to at any given time at perrystone.org and order from their great resources and downloads. God bless you. Make plans to attend the 2022 International Prophetic Summit, June 23rd through 26th at Omega Center International in Cleveland, Tennessee. Come hear the latest prophecy updates from Jonathan Kahn, Kurt Landry, Mark Biltz, Bill Cloud, and Perry Stone. This huge event kicks off Thursday night and continues all day Friday and Saturday, concluding at a doubleheader with Bill and Perry on Sunday morning. There is no fee to attend, but you must register online at perrystone.org, where you will also find information on hotels in the area. Seating is limited, so sign up today. Don't miss fresh insights and exciting new prophetic revelation, as each speaker proves that we are living in the end of the age and headed toward a date with destiny, including the return of the Messiah the 2022 prophetic summit register now